Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. We often ask ourselves, what might God be asking me to do? What will it cost me? How much time will it take? How much money? Will it cost me my reputation? Will people think I'm crazy because of my actions? Sometimes it feels like we don't get an answer. More often, we succumb to selective listening, where we choose to ignore or disregard an answer that God places before us. We think we have all the answers and don't need to rely on God, but God continues to journey with us even when we tell God to leave, even when we say no to God. This week's message of the week comes from guest speaker and retired licensed local minister Becky Holton, who shares from Luke 8 and challenges us to make the daily choice to stick close to God. Here is the First Church message of the week. Good morning, church. It is good to be here with you. I am Pastor Becky Holton, as was mentioned earlier. I retired in 2018. I'm a licensed local pastor, retired in 2018. And I say the word retired lightly. I took about 18 months of rest and renewal then. And then in 2020, I began to serve Enderlin and Lisbon United Methodist Churches in North Dakota on a quarter-time basis. I completed that um, appointment last November, and then January through March of this year, I served First United Methodist Church in Fargo, not First, Faith United Methodist Church in Fargo, as Pastor Ray took a short-term leave of absence. So as of April 1st, I've been back on the retired status again, but that has allowed me the opportunity to be here to worship with you. So thank you for the invitation. It was great, the hospitality the warm welcome that I received this morning as you came into church. So I thank you for that. Just wish that the circumstances of me being invited here would be different, um, but I'm glad to hear that Pastor Jan is, is recovering. So welcome. Glad that all of you, whether here in person or across the miles electronically, have decided to join us for worship today. Now, the lectionary scriptures that I have chosen for today are both quite long, so I'm going to set the scene for each of them and do a little summarizing before we actually um, dive into the actual scripture reading itself. And so our Old Testament um, scripture is in the book of First Kings. As chapter 19 begins, we find that the prophet Elijah, being warned by Queen Jezebel that she intends to take Elijah's life just the way he took the lives of so many of the prophets of the false god Baal, we find him weary and worn, feeling alone. And so Elijah flees out into the wilderness to protect his life. Exhausted, defeated, he lies down under a broom tree and complains to God that he's had enough. In fact, he says to God, just take my life. However, God is in the process of administering to Elijah. He has no intent of taking Elijah's life. And he provides the shade of the broom tree. He provides sleep and rest for Elijah. And the angels come and minister and provide a meal for Elijah. Not once, but two times. 
times. And in the strength of this food that was provided to Elijah, he's then able to get up and journey another 40 days to Mount Horeb, which is the mount where um, Moses received the Ten Commandments. So we're now going to pick up that scripture reading in the 19th chapter of 1 Kings, beginning with verse 9 through 15. And it says, At that place Elijah came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire either. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah answered again, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And then the Lord said to Elijah, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint King Hazael as king over Aram. And then we move to the Gospel of Luke, the eighth chapter for our New Testament lesson. And in this scripture, Jesus casts the legion of demons out of a troubled and taunted man. And the demons ask permission to go from the man into a herd of swine. And as soon as the um, demons go into the herd of swine, they immediately run down the mountainside and throw themselves off the cliff and into the lake where they drown. Now, as this story begins, the disciples and Jesus had just weathered the storm as they crossed Lake Gennesaret from Galilee, and they were now in the uh, region of Gadarenes. And upon arriving in Gadarene, immediately they were confronted by a man yelling at them. And here's where Sandy comes up with, we need to clothe ourselves, when talking about this man who had to clothe himself. The scripture tells us that he was actually naked, and he lived among the tombs, or interpreted, he lived out at the edge of town in the cemetery. And as soon as Jesus saw this man, he began to command the demons to leave. But it's interesting at that point that this man threw himself on the ground before Jesus and in a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Jesus asked the man his name and learned that it was legion because of the legion of demons that had entered him. 
And then, strangely enough, the demons, when Jesus commanded them to come out, began to bargain with Jesus and said, well, we don't want to go into the abyss. Can we go into that herd of hogs that is there on the hill? And so Jesus permitted the demons to do this, and immediately down the hill went the hogs and into the water. And so now let us pick up here in Luke 8 with verses 35 through 39. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. And then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. And then the whole throng of people of the surrounding region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So Jesus got into the boat and returned across the sea. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged that he might be with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Here ends the reading of our scripture for today. Now, you know, we often laugh and we joke about selective listening. In fact, all you have to do is Google selective listening and cartoons like the ones you see on the screen, there's a couple you will see here, begin to pop up. Now, you know that when you can find a cartoon about something that you have hit upon something that hits home. And often it's something that we really don't want to own, that we really don't want to claim or admit to. Now, our grandkids are quite good at selective hearing. If I ask them to pick up their toys or shut down their electronics, I sometimes see selective listening being employed. In the middle of something fun, it's much easier to just pretend you didn't hear grandma, just to ignore than it is to stop what they were doing. Now, selective listening was happening in biblical times, although I'm guessing that phrase wasn't coined until quite a bit later. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus commanded the demons to leave legion, and yet the demons chose to ignore the command. They tried to remain in control of the situation by bargaining with Jesus instead. Don't send us out into the abyss, they said. Instead, can we go into that herd of swine? And then later in that same scripture in Luke, we see the visitors also using select, or the villagers also using selective um, listening. Legion, now free of his demons was, and healed of his mental illness, was sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus, listening. When the villagers saw the transformed legion, the man who had lived among them as a lunatic all these years, now was there listening to Jesus. And when they heard the story that the pigs had run down the mountainside and off the cliff and into the water, the fear within them began to rise. They didn't want to hear the story that Legion had to tell of his transformation. And so instead, they asked Jesus to leave. Even 
even Legion used selective listening. At first, it seemed that he wanted Jesus's help. But then when Jesus began to cast the demons out, Legion questioned what it was that Jesus wanted of him. And he said, Jesus, do not torment me. It appears that even Legion, in his fitful state of mental illness, might have been fearful of what Jesus was asking him to do or what the transformation in him might look like and what that transformation might require of him. And if we go back to our Old Testament scripture in 1 Kings, Elijah didn't really want to answer the question that the Lord asked him either. But instead, he was bent on, dare I say, he was bent on whining and telling the Lord not once, but two times how exhausted he was, how zealous he was for the Lord, how hard he had been working for God, and how he was the only one left, and now they wanted to take his life too. Elijah wanted to make sure that God knew how hard it had been for him. Now, there are many reasons that we might employ selective listening. Sometimes, like my grandkids, it's just because they're preoccupied and busy with what they're doing. And we know how that goes in our lives today. We are constantly on the move with calendars to fulfill, appointments, children to take various places, and we are bombarded with all kinds of commercials and what is best for us and all kinds of information over the news and the social media. We are constantly multitasking, and so to focus on one thing is really hard. Sometimes it is our busy, crazy life that keeps us from listening well. Sometimes we choose not to hear what God is saying because we don't like what God's saying and we want to bargain. We want to do something different, our own way. We want to stay in control. We don't like the choices or the options that are being offered to us. Or like Elijah, we want to be sure that we can tell our own story, our own trials, our own unfair treatment. We want people to know about how hard we've been working and about our suffering. And lastly, like Legion and the villagers, sometimes we choose to ignore what we hear because we are afraid of what that might mean for our lives, what it might require what is being asked of us. And so we, like Legion, ask the question, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? What might God be asking me to do? What might God ask me to do for others? What will it cost me? More than a herd of pigs is in the Bible. Might it cost me my reputation? Will it require my life like they were seeking Elijah's life? How much of my hard-earned money will it require? How much of my time will I be singled out and jeered because of my actions? Will people think that I am the crazy one because of my actions? How does God want to transform and change me? Under all of these questions is the reality that I really don't want to be transformed. I don't want to give up my control. And so rather than fully pay attention, it is so much easier to employ selective listening. 
Now, I don't know about you, but unfortunately, I can find myself in several of these reasons for listening selectively. As God's people, we often want to do things our own way and sometimes ignore the advice of others, even when it might be the best thing for us. We think that we've got all the answers. We don't need to rely on God. Even though we may not be in a good situation or a good place, it's familiar, and transformation will take us to a new place that's unfamiliar, probably uncomfortable, that's unknown. Deep down, we don't want to be changed and transformed, even though God continues to call us to grow toward the person, the loving person that God created us to be. I have to tell you that in the late 90s, I was wrestling with the call to pulpit ministry. And I began to explore that option with Pastor Deborah Ball Kilborn. And about halfway through the process, I chose to stop it. And I said to Deborah, pulpit ministry is not for me. I'm going to remain a layperson. Now, my reason that I didn't admit to anyone at that time, and now that I'm able to admit, is that I was afraid. I was afraid of what pulpit ministry would mean for my life. What would it mean for my family's life? And I was afraid that there is no way that I could prepare a sermon and offer a sermon every single Sunday. Now, fast forward 17 or 18 years, and you will still find Deborah Ball Kilborn laughing every time she sees me in the pulpit. And I'm sure God laughs too, because I was not young at that age. I was approaching my mid-60s by the time that I um, went to licensing school to become a licensed local pastor. So this story brings us then to the question of how does God respond to us when we pull selective listening on God? Well, first of all, God continues to journey with us, continues to meet our needs even before we realize it, or sometimes we never recognize God in the process. God met Elijah's needs, providing sleep and shade for him and food, allowing him to be able to journey up to Mount Horeb. God met Legion's needs even before Legion fell on the ground in front of him. Jesus was already at work commanding the demons to come out to leave Legion. Because you see, for Jesus, living with brokenness, living with fear, living in hatred doesn't make any sense. It is God's desire to draw each of us into relationship with God. And God continues to journey with us, hoping that we will open our heart open our eyes to what God can do for us. It doesn't matter if we're on the mountaintop celebrating or if we're down in the valley and don't even know how we will meet the needs of the next minute or if we're somewhere in between. God is with us. We are the ones who don't recognize that God is there. And even though God always journeys with us, though, and would like us to see what God would like us to do, God is never, ever going to force that decision upon us. The choices to turn to God, to put our trust in God, and to fully rely on God are ours to make, ours alone. 
Jesus knows what we need, but is always willing to let the choices that we self-determine play out, even if those self-determined choices will make things worse. Jesus was going to send the demons into the abyss, and they asked to go into the pigs. Well, they ended up in the abyss anyway. And when the villagers asked Jesus to leave, he didn't say, oh no, there's more I can do here. There's more I can help you with. Let me show you. Instead, he just got in the boat and went back across Lake Genesis. And so we ask the question, the question that Legion asks is our question. What do you have to do with me, Jesus? We wonder what transformation Jesus will seek in our lives. What changes will Jesus require us to make in our lives? As I was reading and researching for this message today, I came across information by Reverend Dr. Derek Weber, who is the Director of Preaching Ministries and has many of the, uh, much of the information on the United Methodist Discipleship Ministries website on, on the lectionary. And he said, stop. Stop right there when you hear the word require. He says, in the effort that we expand in transformation isn't the result of a requirement, but instead it is the result of our wanting to do us, to do it. Jesus doesn't come and say, change or else, or get to work or else. No, Jesus just loves us into transformation. And Jesus loves us into wanting to work for the kingdom of God on this earth. Legion's fear that at first pushed Jesus away was transformed into a love that desired to move closer to God. Legion, free of his demons, free of his mental illness, mentally and spiritually healed, wanted nothing more than to sit at Jesus' feet and to learn, wanted to stay with Jesus. So how then are we transformed for that place in our lives where we are actively employing selective listening to the place where we want to live in life and hope and joy seated at the feet of Jesus and near Jesus? How is it that we move from this need to be in control to this longing for God to shape our lives and help us move forward into the future? Well, Dr. Weber says that we have to set ourselves upside. We have to move from that life of busyness that I talked about, that frenzy and madness, to find a place of quiet. Legion, through God's quiet and strength, was transformed from the unitic that yelled and didn't wear clothes and broke his chains into the man who sat quietly, clothed at Jesus' feet. Elijah, ready to give up, found himself in a place of quiet, a place of despair, and a place of surrender on Mount Horeb. Listen to this next sentence, it's important. Elijah had to come to the end of himself. We have to come to the end of ourselves, the end of our own strength, the end of our own wisdom, the end of thinking that we know what is best. And when we finally get over ourselves and the idea that we can make it on our own, then in the quiet and the stillness of surrender, we can find God's presence. 
You know, the place on Mount Horeb was not a place of condemnation or shame for Elijah, but it was this place of silence, a place of God's transformation. And thankfully, we worship a God who doesn't come to shame or to prove and say to us, I told you I had the right way. I knew what was best for you. No, instead, God continues to walk with us, to want to pull us closer, to love us, to offer us grace, forgiveness, and guidance. Now, it's interesting in um, the reading in 1 Kings that we heard about the strong wind, the earthquake, the fire, and God was not in any of those but instead, God was in what our translation today said was sheer silence. Now, sometimes sheer silence is translated as the still, small voice of God. And Dr. Weber says that in that still, small voice, there's a presence. It's kind of like that voice you hear in the back of your head when you are stealing yourself for a difficult task or trying to work up the courage to do something. It's the voice of encouragement. It's the voice of presence. It's the voice of hope. Elijah expected God in the wind and the earthquake and the fire. And it's no different for us. We think we want to see big, miraculous things that God has done. My line has always been, well, God, if you would just write it on the wall for me, then I would know. And then when I'm honest, I have to say, but then I would question and say, is that you, God? Did you really write that on the wall for me? But no, as Dr. Weber said, God is with us in the ordinary. God is present in those, um, in those times when it seems like it was a coincidence or a happenstance. In the everyday decisions that we make all the time, God is at work in and through what happens around us, even when it doesn't seem like it's God. God is present, even when we feel like we're a long ways away from God and God is absent. God is acting, even when it feels like stillness. God wanted to transform Elijah. God wanted healing and transformation for the man possessed with demons. And God wants a life of healing and transformation for you and for me. Because God created us to be in relationship with God. And so today, I ask you to ponder with me this question. What are the burdens? What are the demons? What is the busyness in your life that keeps you from fully listening to God? What keeps you saying to Jesus almost in an angered way, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? Because let me tell you, Jesus wants everything to do with you and me. Jesus loves you and me and keeps calling and journeying and loving us. Jesus wants to be in relationship with us, to see us grow and change and grow closer to God so that then we can, as we are transformed, go out into the world and share God's love and grace with others and transform them too. May it be so. Amen and amen. 
Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.